I'm John Perry. I'm Ted Cupper. And this is Constellation, making the graphic novel. Join us as we build an original science fiction world. Okay, welcome back, everybody. How are you doing, John? Uh, you know, all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah. yeah, I know. There's very little point in talking about current events because, yeah, yeah we are uh, going to be several we're weeks. S- we're slightly too time late. delayed. Yeah, you're hearing us from yeah. the past, so, uh, so we will we will skip the current events. Suffice to say, it's still tough. Um, let's just talk a little bit about uh about media stuff let's 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 finish up with devs because we've we've now spent a couple of weeks talking about devs i've finished watching devs um and last week you promised to give me your your rewrite of uh, what you thought it should be so i think uh let's talk a little bit about that yeah okay sure uh do you want me to just launch right into that now that you've seen it all or, or yeah or i don't do you want think to give... i have i mean I, I have very little to say about it other than i was disappointed by the ending i enjoyed the tone and the acting and i thought like the feeling of it was good um but then uh when they revealed what the technology was for and what it sort of ultimately amounted to i got more and more disappointed i thought i could have gone more interesting places but uh but why don't we, you know, we'll throw caution to the wind. We may spoil it at this point. So, you know, if you're worried about that, don't listen. And uh, yeah, why don't you just jump in? Yeah, we'll, de- we'll definitely spoil it because I think there's no way not to. Yeah. But um, so I-, I talked a lot last episode about how I think the fundamental sci-fi idea is just very implausible. Um, this notion that they're able to extrapolate from you know, some particles to what's happening with other particles around it. Uh, the visual that they have is, you know, here's a dead rat on a table and somehow they can extrapolate back from that and get, you know, the faces of the people standing in the room nearby. Did you, right. you remember that sequence, yeah. right? Right. And um, the, the, the instruments that are recording it, I think as well, like sort of up here, it, it, it seems to assume like um, that all particles are sort of entangled with each other which is not how i understand things actually work <laughs> i think that's wrong yeah no i and and again i've done i'm not trusting my own understanding of physics which is pretty lackluster you know i went i've gone and done some reading on what uh, actual physicists think of this show and, and yeah it, it confirmed what i felt which is that there's that doesn't make any sense at all however yeah it uh if what we were seeing was a simulated world yeah with its own physics then that would be a strong justification for why the fundamental nature of the reality that our the characters are in is so weirdly deterministic. Yes. Right? So right. if they're inside a simulation, maybe there is a good reason why every particle uh, or bit in the simulation, you know, carries information uh, in a distributed sense about its own history, right? And about the history of the particles around it. Maybe their reality is kind of a blockchain in that sense, right? Um, or I'm not exactly or sure like how- compressed in some way. Like it's sort of, the, it's using that to sort of uh, reduce the amount of data it needs to keep or something like that. Yeah, or there's some sort of like chain of, of pointers that is there to uncover that you can sort of take a particle and and follow back its position in time. And all that exists, you know, not because it's our reality, but because they're they are in a simulated reality that works in this fundamentally different way. Right, right. right so I right. thought that would be a good way to explain why they have this very improbable physics. 
Uh, and then one of the things that happens in the show that I thought was a very intriguing mystery once they set it up is that you learn relatively late that they have built this time machine in a box. They have projected forward with the time machine in the box, but then there's an event horizon yeah. that they can't get past. Yeah. And so, I mean, that obviously feels like the shutting down of a simulation to me. Right. Or right? the end of the world. And that's a good, right? That's an exciting mystery because it's like either the world's going to end or the simulation's going to end. And both of those are interesting. But then they totally dodged that in a very unsatisfying way. <laughs> Right. And, and and I'm sure we'll talk more about what they did with yeah. it. But I, I guess I'm imagining that as we've often talked about, say, in the context of our idea and just in the context of simulation arguments in general. Right. Um, if you are in a simulated reality, there's always this concern that you get shut down by the simulators. And right. one of the reasons you might get shut down is that you're building a simulator inside your simulation and overtaxing the resources, which is literally what these characters are doing. Right. So right. to me, that would provide a very logical reason for they don't live in our world. They live in a simulated world that has these weird deterministic physics. They've managed to hack into those deterministic physics to start to build a simulation inside the simulation. And at the moment, the moment that things get shut down, is the moment that they actually are finally fully 100% successful at running their machine. Right. And that's when the sort of circuit breaker trips and their reality gets shut down. And at that point, maybe the show, uh, you know, this could be cheesy if you don't handle it correctly, like, you know, pulls out to the real world, right? Right. Of, of the people that are doing the experiment of trying to get their simulation working and it's sort of not working because their own simulation is entering this like uh, uh, this sort of meta stage loop. where it like eats itself basically where, where it eats itself yeah, yeah where it's right. overtaxing their computer resources and to them that just looks like a crash right right, right. from the outside yeah uh, so very very heady and 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 trippy and and you know I think territory that's been done somewhat before in sci-fi but you know to have it be done in a uh, a TV show with this kind of uh, style and acting and budget would have been really cool. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And it, yeah, it has that Philip K. Dick feel of like, oh, hard re left turn at the end, but it's kind of been under the surface all along. It, it is the ultimate explanation for why everything's so weird, you know? Yeah, I, I had a similar thought, but a slightly different one, which because there is this big moment that I thought was actually well dramatized. Like the moment worked for me cinematically uh, where they plug in the... Um, the many worlds concept, right? Um, I mean, they, they do this in stages. So they plug in the many worlds concept and that makes the system work better. And then they like sort of fully implement that throughout the system later in the show. And mm -hmm. it makes it possible for them to, you know, uh, photorealistically uh, see the, you know, past in the future up to this event horizon moment where, where something happens and, and things change. And uh, that moment, one of the guys who's working on it, uh, I don't know the actor's name, but he's the older dev character, not the young boy, the older man. Um, he, he becomes, like, he becomes concerned, right? And it leads to him, like, doing that final act, which I do not understand his motivation behind that at all. But I thought when he got concerned, in my head, what I thought he was going to say is he's going to say, like, before the likelihood 
like I thought he was going to make the Bostrom argument. I thought he was going to be like, before the likelihood was we were not in a simulated world because we didn't really have a working simulation. But now we do have a working simulation. Right, that's the similarity that moment. that we probably are in a simulated world. Uh, and then there would, that I thought that was going to be the question of the second half. That, like the first half was going to be this sort of boring thing about uh, free will, which is like something that sci-fi is always concerned with, but that like Robin Hanson and many other people have argued is not that interesting once you kind of come to terms with it. Um I thought it was going to like shift from being that to being this like weirder question of are we in the real world or not? And does the existence of this machine and the fact that it's working uh, as improbable as that may be, I'm willing to hand wave past that. Does this existence of it, you know, mean that we are now one of the simulated worlds and how do we test that and how do we find out? And maybe they kind of get up to, you know, that event horizon. And like you were saying, the event horizon it seems like it either means the simulation gets turned off or the world ends. And maybe one of those two things happens. Um, or if they were going to have some kind of a twist there, then maybe basically you get the answer either. Yes, this is the simulated world or yes, this is base reality. And here's how, you know, um, I think something like that would have really excited me and could have basically had the first same first half as this show, but then would have just had, a different second half. And I found just on a character level motivations in the second half of the show, like really fell off the rails. Like I did not understand the security guys motivation for going to kill Lily, uh, at all. And then, okay. And then after like, what, what is he getting out of that? Like, why is he doing that? And then, well, they, they tried to set that up by him saying, you know, I'm not going back to jail. I'm going to protect myself in this situation. Like basically he t- gives that speech where he's like, I'm not working for the company anymore. Uh, I, I'm going to, I'm, there's no way I'm going to jail for this. I didn't like that scene either. I, I didn't understand why Allison pill didn't just immediately have him killed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, especially since she knows the future, I guess she knows the future, but she's like bound by this philosophy that she can't change it or something. I don't really understand that part either, because then when they get to the end and they have Lily change the future by just making a choice. Oh, yeah. None of that makes sense. None of that makes any sense, because like anybody could have done that at any minute, it seems like, according to the rules that they've set up. So I, I, I didn't get any of that. I felt like that was all just like hopelessly mushy and confusing and trying to do a kind of like, uh, primacy of humanity kind of thing but not even doing it in a clear enough way to where it made any sense like you uh, can have free will you just have to have heart have to like, and be this one be random like, girl <laughs> you have to well you just have to be predetermined to be the one person who has it right it's like but why to be the chosen one yeah who's exactly just this, it makes like, no sense and there, there's not even a reason there's not even like oh she has the genetic mutation that allows people to have choice or anything there's nothing it's just it, it's just like well i guess one out of every billions and billions of choices is a real choice. It's like, well, what does that mean? I I don't know. I All of that was just very silly to me and, and really disappointing. I also did not understand after she and uh, Nick Offerman are killed, um, they like land on like the floor. Maybe they explain this and I just missed it, but they land on the floor, which I thought was just like a magnetic chamber that was supposed to secure the... Um, the, the AI inside or, or whatever it is, the simulation inside a box so that like 
it couldn't be hacked or something, but um, it seems to also be like a scanner or something because then when they're instantiated in the sim, he says, I had, uh, I had her instantiate us with our existing memories or something. So I didn't understand what any of that meant because they had memories from outside the simulated world, including the memory of her making this choice and throwing the gun and right. So she would have had to be scanned in. The only way that that could work is if, if, if that was also some sort of like a scanning process that was happening to them on the floor there. Well, we were never told where they really get all of this high, high resolution data about everything from. Right, right, right. So it's impossible to do. Right, right, right. You're right. Cause that's, that's, it's even worse than that because right they don't ever explain the scanning technology this is like an internet search company they should have access to a lot of data but not molecular data about the world like they don't have drones flying around you know scanning everything with electron microscopes or whatever it is that you would need to do to approximate this um so it's never explained and it doesn't really make sense uh and it's surprising because um, it seems like the, I mean, the actual more plausible way this would happen is you'd have less data and better algorithms, right? Like you'd have a lot of data cause you'd have like a lot of sensors all around the world, which you could show. Um, and then you would derive some sort of like algorithm from all that somehow. And that would be the like special sauce of your simulation is that like we figured out the algorithm that sort of approximates the universe or whatever, right? Which would yeah, which would maybe make sense in a universe with alternative physics from exactly. Now that makes more sense if it's a simulated universe and less sense if it's our real universe. But it it at least makes enough sense that you could understand somebody like getting excited if they thought they found that, and then somebody else being skeptical that they'd found it or something like that. Like mm-hmm. that feels like something like. But yeah, anyway, the opportunity to have this be like a really cool simulation hypothesis reveal. I think was totally blown. Well, uh, I had that same experience, right? Because that sequence where they are, they get the simulation working really well. Yeah. And it's, and, and the guy, the older uh, developer turns it uh, to a few seconds in the future. So everyone's watching what they do before right, they do right. it. Yeah. And they're saying kind the of same the, words the, as themselves, but after they've already heard them and they like can't help themselves. And there's something kind of interesting about that. Well, and I think the guy, the old guy does say at that point something along the lines of the simulation hypothesis, like, or maybe I just read that into it, but that, that was basically one of the first times. He doesn't quite get there. I don't remember exactly what he says, but I was sitting there going like, oh, he's going to say it, he's going to say it. And then he didn't quite say it. And I thought, oh, well, maybe it's like they're being mysterious, but he's going to say it later. He says something close to it because I I thought, but I I don't remember the line, but, but you're right. It's, it kind of goes right up to it. But I remember feeling at the time, like, oh, they're going to dramatize the similarity that yeah. we've talked about. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I've not seen that dramatized. No, very I was much. so excited. I thought they were going to do that. And then they didn't. Uh, and then but, the action I mean, that he ends yeah. up taking makes no sense to me. Cause he ends up then like taking an action that sort of realigns the world with the world that they were predicting before, but not really because still the same people die, but like, that's not enough to have all the molecules be the same, not even close, right? She never fires the gun. So like tons of molecules are different, which means it's still a completely different universe. So I don't know why he did it. Like, I just don't, I don't understand why, why he does It would make more sense for him to destroy the, the whole computer or something, right? 
Yes, that would like make if he's sense. able to hack the elevator, uh, you know, and he's got free reign in there. It seems like why doesn't he just blow up the whole quantum computer that's running the simulation? Yeah, but he doesn't do that, and in fact, it's still running at the end of the story. So, uh, yeah, I don't understand why he, if he want, if he was worried that having the computer working means that we're in a simulation then he could want to destroy it thinking that maybe that means we're back in the real world or if just the more mundane thing which i think they're implying which is that he felt it was too dangerous a thing to unleash oh yeah just like too much playing god or whatever i think that was more like the less interesting thing they were going with but even given that motivation he should destroy it and not just crash the elevator with the founder on it i mean maybe that's yeah. Part of him did. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't make sense. I feel like that show got so close and then it, you know, it got excited about its own pun. Oh, the, the, the Deus pun? Deus. It's like such a dumb pun. I, yeah. Well, I mean, again, at time, I mean, after you've seen the whole thing, you can tell that, you know, Alex Garland uh, was never really inter- the creator, was yeah. never really interested in the things that were interested in anyways right he really was just interested in these issues of free will and god and determinism and philosophy and at the end of the day the only way you can explain all of the mushy stuff that happens at the end or, or like the is that it's really just a character story a really just generic one about a guy you know trying to get over the fact of his guilt over killing his you know wife and child right or like contributing to their death via a inappropriate phone conversation like very right? very minimally contributing to their death by being on the phone with them at the moment they are killed by an errant driver i mean almost right like it's so sure but you can barely... understand that the guilt that sure you know you might feel even irrationally sure. having been sure. yeah but 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 you know the, it's really just purely psychological like his you know, he's clinging to the determinist or theory instead of the many worlds theory. And it's just because, like, he doesn't want to feel like he had free will in that moment. Because if he was determined in that moment, then it definitely wasn't his fault. That's but not if his he fault, had free right. will in that moment, it was his fault. And it's just him trying to not feel guilty. Right. And it's just purely uh, psychology. So, but and- I have another, like, big question that that all raises for me about the ending, which is why on earth are his kid and wife still alive in the simulation? Yeah, I mean, I mean, the mechanics of that are all, are confusing. Like, is, and it, is it that he has time traveled within the simulation to when they were still alive and they will always be young? Because otherwise, it goes completely against that whole determinist point of view. And they're just creating a world where everything's the same except his child didn't die, Right. And yeah, what what would make more and sense? And that's a many would, worlds thing. And so I I don't understand why he's committed to the thing that will never give him what he wants. <laughs> well, so it's very confused what they're doing at the end. I think what would have made sense is the many worlds thing is true. Mm-hmm. He didn't want it to be true, but it is true. And so in his timeline, he dies, and there's nothing he can do about that. So all he can do is exist in another timeline where his wife and child didn't die. Uh, but the thing about that timeline, which and, and it, which is fine if that exists, is that in that timeline, he's not going to have memories of what happened in other timelines, right. which is the really dumb part about the ending, right? If at the ending, 
He didn't well, and remember also, why anything. Why would you want to have those memories? They're just horrible pain. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, that's true. I mean, even if you could do that, which makes no sense. Which he's again. like asked for it as a special. So yeah, so I have two questions about that. One, I agree that there's a timeline somewhere where his kid didn't die, but that's clearly not the one in the simulation because the one in the simulation is the one that's as close to what no, really I, happened as possible. But they were implying to me, and again, it's not none of this is internally consistent but they're implying to me that once they change the internal algorithm in the simulation to the one he didn't want to use which is the many worlds yeah at that from that moment on the simulation now can contain all, all the of the timelines and so at that, that is point, never dramatized though like the way that they show the many worlds with like the the visual gimmick that they have is like the same person doing multiple things in one shot right like they have the guy the kid jumping off the bridge multiple times and stuff like that right uh Whenever they never show that, and then cut to somebody watching the screen of the t- of the time machine, like they always show those scenes as if they are re- you know in reality rather than as if they are like there's a whole episode where Allison Pill is just watching the screen and everything you see is inside the screen, but at no time do they show the many worlds thing operating inside. I No, I, I agree. I mean, the, they, they, the they dropped machine. the ball on this, but this would have made sense to me if uh-huh. from that, if that was the case from that point on. Sure. And basically this is the plan B, which is again, they were also sort of implying uh, where, uh, you know, what's his, I can't remember the guy's name, but the CEO guy feels like, yeah, I keep calling uh, them by the actors cause I can't remember the names either. Uh, Nick yeah, yeah. Offerman's the actor. I I, Nick Offerman yeah. feels like, okay, it, 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 determinism is wrong. Uh, I can't, you know, claim that I'm not at fault. So the next best thing is, uh, you know, just keep alive one of the other me's in the other timeline in the box after I'm gone. And that that version of me won't know what happened, because how could they, right? But at least some version of me somewhere. No, but will he live explicitly says that I asked her to load us up with our memories, which is so bizarre. Like, how would you? I just there's no way to. I mean, you know, we're already in the realm of very implausible technologies. So, but it's not even clear why it it's good philosophically or for the you know the sort of moral resonance of the ending too, because it's just like so. At the end, he, like, doesn't get over his guilt or learn any lessons. He just gets to be this weird god person in an alternate timeline that remembers past timelines. Like, there's no... Yeah. He doesn't learn anything. No. I mean, he doesn't have to learn anything, but if that, it seems like that's the construction of the story that is actually being told, is one where a character goes through a change, and the sci-fi is just set-dressing. But it, it sort of fails on that front, too. Yeah. Right? Oh, to, now to just both be... of them are going to live in a world that they know isn't real and no one else does, <laughs> right? For the rest of their yeah. lives. Um, and uh, they'll, they'll be basically like crazy people, right? I mean, <laughs> like, I, I feel like a, a realistic ending, if that's how they, they wanted to go with it, would have been like three years later, Lily Chen is living on the streets still spewing crazy theories about how she and the CEO of some company are the only people who are really alive <laughs> or whatever, you know, who really remember with the real world or whatever. And everyone thinks they're insane, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, given that premise, I just, uh, yeah, that's maybe where that would go. Like you maybe do something dovetailing with the, uh, with the, the homeless guy sleeping in their front door. Um, uh, 
which that was one of the few things that I anticipated happening that when it happened did not disappoint me. I thought that I thought he was going to be CIA, but I had this feeling that he was going to come back at some point and be somebody. And then he did. And it was kind of interesting. Um, yeah, I enjoyed the kind of like basic pulpy like spies plot line. I mean, that yeah. was all fun, right? Yeah, all the um, industrial espionage stuff. I was really excited by uh, the very first episode, I think was in, in a way the best. Um, and it just, yeah, it kept me guessing and I didn't, um, I didn't see the end coming from even when I'd had watched the middle <laughs> up to the middle. Uh, and yeah, I think it has so much good filmmaking in it and the acting is good. His music, music is great, but yeah, I wish it was, um, just, I wish it had tried to do something more interesting, uh, because it had the setup for it. Um, Oh, well. All right. So, yeah, not much else to say about that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, we'll have to we'll have to find something else to watch. And uh, but uh, yeah, but, yeah, I don't know what we should watch next. I have a few ideas we can talk offline about it. Um, so shall we get into? Yes, let's. The actual uh, uh, comic. Let's talk about. What? What were we talking about last time? Remind me. Um, well, so there were some questions we left for last right. time. Right. Um, let's start with some of the ones I think are going to be easier. Okay, so what is? Uh, what are the defaults surrounding sleep and day-night cycles, and what are the defaults surrounding eating, hunger, and thirst? Like basic human stuff, right? Right. Let's let's resolve that. I think that's going to be not too hard to resolve, but we haven't discussed any of that yet. Yeah. Okay. So I did think a little bit about this actually over the week uh, since we talked about this. And the easiest ones I think to deal with are like hunger and thirst um, because those I think are subsets of pain. So those are particular kinds of pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that they would be governed essentially by the pain default. So if pain defaults to low, then you can still feel hunger and thirst, but it never gets very bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and if death defaults to off, then you cannot die of hunger or thirst. Um, I think because eating and drinking are such fundamental human pleasures that eating and drinking would be allowed in this world. Mm-hmm. Um, Although I could see some people not, you know, not doing it. Um, but I guess, do, do you need a separate default covering eating if hunger and thirst are covered by pain? Maybe not, because uh, I don't think you have to separately set eating to not kill you if nothing can kill you. And I don't think you have to separately set hunger and thirst to not pain you if nothing can pain you. Uh, if you turn your pain cycle up... Um, maybe you'd feel more hunger and more thirst. And since you could instantly eat anything you could ask for, um, that would not be much of a problem, right? But you're going to, by default, you're if you don't change your world settings, you're going to get the feeling of hunger every, you know, five hours or so, uh, like you want to eat a meal. I think those would be uh, personal settings because, again, it's pain, right? So it's like your pain... Well, even that's setting. even that's a, just a world contract. We've we've subsumed pretty much all of that because you can only exist inside of a world. So 
That y- setting yeah. is just the contract with the world you're currently in. Right, right, right. I just mean that it wouldn't be um, a property of the world that's um, irrespective of uh, the people, such as the day-night cycles, which might be literally just a world property that the world owner sets up and that is just, you know. Sure, if th- nobody is in a world, it could still be going through day and night. But yeah, uh, it, it could just be like feel a, hunger. a basic setting of the world that everyone is just um, subject to uh, uh, regardless of what they have agreed to. Well, it could just be the default con- entrance contract for that world is when you show up, you're going to feel hungry periodically, just like normal Earth rules. Uh, and so, and you know, it's not going to get that bad. You're not going to die from it. And it's relatively easy to conjure, you know, uh, a slice of pie whenever you want it, but it's, but it's there. So you've got that sort of ritual and that rhythm of, oh, it's been another, you know, several hours. I'm starting to feel a little bit peckish again. Right. 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 Um, I think all that makes sense. I think that's I, I that's kind of where I was leaning to. Yeah. So um, I'm even thinking though that it for the world, for the world uh, setting, it's like just it's just subsumed by the pain setting. Like, does it need to be separate? I guess is what I'm asking. Is no, there, I, well, is there something special about hunger and thirst that is not just general pain feedback? Well, well, yes, because hunger is a kind of pain that is caused internally, right? It's not, I mean, the, the pain thing happens is like later in the chain, right? Like, like there's a trigger for pain, right? Which could be someone stabbing you with a sword or it could be, I haven't eaten in, you know, mm-hmm. 48 hours. Mm-hmm. And then, and then after the trigger for the pain later, the, the pain setting comes in and clamps down on it, right? And, and puts, a, puts a ceiling on it, maybe. Right. Um, so it's subsumed in that way, but I think, you know, whether or not you even have the trigger of hunger in the first place would arguably be a setting as well. But I think if we're assuming things default to normal physics everywhere... Yeah, I then... don't know. I guess I feel like the psychological aspect of, like, getting hungry every few hours might exist even if you put your pain on zero. But... That, like, you wouldn't experience any hunger pangs if your pain was on zero, full stop. And if your pain is up to, you know, maximum amount, then you would experience... Sure. If you go to zero, you might... hunger pains. You, you, you would, like, shut it out uh, on the back end. But if you have your sort of default low pain setting... Right. Um, then, then in hu- that sense... Yeah, then, then you would hunger still feel- would just exist. But I guess you could have a rule that on a world that uh you have to allow death um and so this is a question i don't know what the right answer here is but like let's say i go to a world that forces me to uh feel pain and death uh, if i want to uh and and be subject to death if i want to enter and let's say i enter that world can i now starve to death by default uh i i'm guessing Again, or does that a, have to be explicitly stated that de- death by starvation is possible, or is it just like a subset of like allowing death because that's a natural way you could normally die? So if you allow death, any of the natural expiry methods will work. Uh, I guess I'm leaning towards the second thing. Yeah, that seems right to me too. Um. So yeah, the the death setting and the pain setting are just 
you know, on again, they're on sort of on the at the end of the chain. Right. Right. They come in to just make sure you don't die or make sure you don't feel pain. Yeah. But they don't change anything about the fundamental triggers, which are going to all default mostly to normal Earth style rules. Right. 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 Uh, but they and would I guess, be subject to world rules like if you change gravity or you change, you know, the chemical makeup of your world or something like that. Right. Then those things would affect the physics of your body in the predictable way. And then again, if it was supposed to cause pain or supposed to cause death, then that would get stopped by the preference at that point in the chain. Right. That's right. So you could build a world where, uh, all the people have no stomachs at all. Right. Right. And, and they just, you know, they, they never get hungry, no matter what your settings are. Right. Uh, after the fact, um, or maybe you build a world where everyone is these like, you know, giant, um, sort of like lumbering, uh, whale beasts that Mm -hmm. are, you know, 10 times hungrier than an average person would be in like need to graze constantly. Or like you can have Uh, a world where the, uh, substrate of the world, the like water or air or whatever is suffuse with like ATP and that, you know, you take in energy with every breath so you could never get hungry in the traditional sense or something, right? Like things can be pretty abstract in this universe, right? So we could, yeah, we could imagine people sort of drastically redesigning biology, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we could realize sort of all of the, you know, the sp- space opera dreams of here's what another weird planet's ecosystem and inhabitants could could be like, right? All those things right. could exist inside the constellation. They're exactly like... Uh, the characters in a seventies movie, you know, <laughs> sure. You can, yeah, no, you can that's do like the, the worst, like least creative version of it. But I feel like you always see stuff like that. You mean uh, like the old dumb yeah, sci-fi no, I mean, you could do where... anything. It could be like, they could be giant bubbles. They could be, you know, amoeboid. They could be bug creatures. They could be, um, crabs with the heads of cats, you know, whatever. Right. Which is cool. You know, cause I love space opera. I mean, it's, you know, it's not, because I always, I've always found that setting really fun, where you can just, if I if I want to explore some bizarre idea, I could just invent a whole planet to talk about it. And right. in some ways, our idea gives us total access to that, right? Um, which is cool. Well, so. and the only kind of constraint on that is every one of these planets had to have been like started by a person. So right, and I think that's a cool constraint because it gives you, it forces you to think of like, well, what were they trying to do? <laughs> Was I mean, it doesn't have to be the same as what happened, <laughs> but right. but if they if they had some kind of a goal, then uh, you know that can animate all the choices they made, and then you can see all the consequences intended or or otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, that's cool. Um, so I I think that's an answer that would then probably also apply just whole cloth onto sleep, right? So sleep is the only one we haven't talked about. And sleep is interesting to me on a couple of levels. So I could see an argument for the default of sleep being either no sleep or sleep. Um, since sleep is common and natural and would be like sort of calming, uh, to people to have that need and that desire. Um, but the negative consequences of no sleep, such as, you know, uh, your brain decaying and getting stupider and um, uh, your body uh, having uh, fatigue, um, being more susceptible to disease and stuff like that. I, 
I'm not sure that those would attend because, um, you know, sleep is such a corporeal uh, thing. And I'm not sure that if we were to get rid of sleep, let's say it defaulted to sleep is off. Um, and this may or may not coincide with the, you know, the day-night cycle uh, defaulting to off on your home world. Um, I don't think that changes that much. Like I read this book sleepless, um, for the old podcast that we never ended up reviewing. Uh, I think one of our listeners actually recommended it to me and Mm -hmm. it was a long book with a lot of things going on in it. And ultimately it didn't, I think lend itself to a good review. Um, but it, I had an issue with one of its major tenets, which was like, some people are get genetically engineered to be, to not need sleep. And then those people like massively take over the world's economy because they're able to work more hours than other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just didn't find that in the least plausible. <laughs> like I just, it, getting even twice as much time as other people to work while they are all quiet and asleep and the world is dark. Um, just didn't strike me as that valuable, <laughs> honestly. Um, hmm. I, I, yeah, I, 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 I don't, don't know think how that it would multiply your efforts that much. Um, I mean, it might lead to some sort of caste system where those are preferred employees for obvious reasons. Uh, yeah, but know. it led to a caste system where they were clearly on top, not where they were like a desired managerial class, which I would have bought, you know, like where they're like, um, seem to seem to be better workers at certain levels because they are tireless, you know, and there are certain types of work like lawyering or something where tirelessness is like of real value because there's a lot of deadlines and stuff like that. But I feel like most jobs, tirelessness is not the critical value. Um, and that just, and they were a, definitely a minority in this. They were a minority world. and they became like a sort of persecuted minority because of their, they're a little bit like, you know, Jews in Europe or something, you know, like they got rich and then everybody resented them um, because there weren't that many of them. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I, th- that was one of my biggest problems with the book was I just didn't buy that um, as what would happen. Uh, it would be an advantage, maybe more for some than for others, but I, I don't think it would be the kind of advantage. I don't think it would be an advantage that would overcome class differences, for example, like rich people who slept are still making money while they sleep, you know, <laughs> still getting richer while right, they sleep. Right, because it's kind of comparable, because what you're getting is basically more conscious time. So in a way, it's similar to if, say, you live to be 130 or 140 or something, right? You yeah, got or like, even to 240, because it's like basically twice as much time, you know, so maybe you double your lifespan. Shit, I was going to say 200. Yeah. So, um, I mean, it'd be awesome to live to be 200. I yeah. would definitely prefer to be one of those people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'd certainly, that would be a lot of time to try a lot of careers and probably build wealth in some way over the long haul. Um, but I'm not sure I'd be like a, some sort of super, part of some super class necessarily. Right, exactly. And and, and even actually, I think getting the more time um, of life is actually still more valuable 
than getting the sleeplessness because of the that's 200 years that your stock portfolio is going up and stuff whereas the sleepless person that's right the wealth gaining aspects uh do not apply doesn't get that uh, benefit right that's right there's no compound interest that's so like look if you're a novelist or an inventor you have more time to invent or write novels so maybe you'll be twice as successful be- or your inventions will be twice as useful or you'll invent twice as many useful inventions or whatever because uh you've had more time but I just think for most jobs in most for most people, time on the job, time conscious is not the critical bottleneck. Um, and that it's like, you know, their overall level of genius is a much bigger issue or um, the other people that they have to work with their teams and the competences within their teams are a mm. bigger issue or the, you know, funding uh, is a bigger issue. I, I just think so many other things seem to have um, effects that swamp uh how much time you put in um so i just didn't buy that they were going to be so extremely successful now they're genetically engineered so i think there's some indication that they probably have some other genetically engineered gifts too uh in that particular book but the way the book is written definitely emphasizes the sleeplessness as like the critical thing because other people are getting other genetic engineering they're just not getting that um trait put in so i don't know i just feel like if we have people be sleepless in our world the reason to say all this to kind of go on this tangent about this book i didn't even really like that much uh is is just if we have people be sleepless in this world it's going to make them different from us in a way that's maybe alienating but i'm not sure that it's really going to change anything that drastically um so I'm kind of inclined to not do that. I'm kind of inclined to have people default to sleep and to have worlds default to having day and night on roughly a 24-hour cycle with the idea that the world owner can change those night cycles or get rid of them completely, that people can turn off this default and not sleep for periods of time if they want to like do a project and you know keep going or something, but that... like. That is, it's not typical in this world for there to be whole worlds that never sleep or something like that. I mean, maybe that's the specific advertising pitch of a world. Well, that becomes the next interesting question because first of all, I totally agree with the way you're painting it because it's consistent, right? It's a consistent rule and it's consistent with every other decision we've made that um, unless it's something that's obviously bad, like pain, right? Right. Or unplanned birth, you know? Right. Um, that uh, the simulators are not messing with basic physics as a default. So it does seem like you're going to continue to have a sleep urge, and if you're going to have a hunger urge, that's consistent as well. Um, Now, that immediately jumps to the next more interesting question, which is the cultural question, which is everyone defaults to needing to sleep. Uh, Everyone has kind of unlimited time, right? They're not worried about dying imminently. Uh, so what culturally dominates, do people mostly just leave things how they are because it's the ritual of sleep is comforting? Uh, obviously some people will choose not to sleep, but how many of those people are there? Right. Um, and Well, and is it more like something you do for a period of time because your project is important? Like, let's say you and I were going to build a new world, Right. So mm-hmm. we might say like, well, for the next three months while we're building this world, there's just like so much work. Let's just turn off sleep and we'll set the world to always be day. 
And just that way, anytime you or I have time, we can pop in there and we can work and uh, we can get this done as quickly as possible, right? And then like after the world is built, maybe we're like, okay, I'm going to go back to default and take it easy for a while because, you know, even if it's not causing much physical pain, all of this working without sleeping is just, you know, doesn't feel that natural, doesn't feel that human, doesn't feel like I'm getting a chance to rest, you know? Um, well, until such point that you're like, you know what? I don't miss sleep. Right. I'm used to this doing it this way now. Right. Well, and so, some people just would love to be able to, if they didn't physically drop down, you know, uh, at the end of the day, they would never sleep. Uh, some of these people are people who take speed. Some of these people are people who, you know, uh, just there's people who like try to reduce the number of hours they sleep every night. Like that's a thing in the world. So of course you would have some people who would be like that, right. Who would, uh, go to work sunshine worlds and just never sleep. Um, I guess what I'm interested in though is, uh, because you know, obviously there's a lot of cultures in, in the constellation, right? There's right. a lot of choices people can make. Sure. Uh, literally people can set up these separate private worlds, or communities to do whatever they want. Mm -hmm. But I think we're still sort of supposing, you know, a, a city culture, right? I mean, sort of analogous to today, right? If you go to all the major cities across the world, there's some commonalities to the culture in those, in those major cities. Um, you know, uh, and, and so, it, I, you know, basically I'm curious what the sort of dominant culture is among the people that are, that are not settling down, right? That are that are hopping worlds, that are collecting access to worlds, that are you know participating again in the economy that exists, mm -hmm. right? Um, the the strivers, right? Right. What, what is I, I suppose? I mean, the obvious assumption, I guess, even just calling them strivers makes me think. Well, those people maybe don't don't sleep if they're pursuing economic activity uh, in sort of a race against other people. Uh, for things like status and attention? Yeah, I mean, I think that that might be the case. There might be some social pressure not to sleep, if, especially if the way that you get status is by creating things that take time to do. So whether that's, you know, worlds or cities or um, social groups or whatever. Um, so yeah, I could see there being some pressure toward uh, strivers sleeping less. And I also could see it being a kind of thing where, like, you don't sleep for a little while, and then you do, and then you don't, and then you do. Um, because depending on the worlds you're spending time in, and if they have day-night cycles, I mean, that will give you a strong... You don't really want to be up all night if other people aren't up all night, right? I mean, it's there are social reasons to be up all night, but otherwise, there's, you know, it's not necessarily ideal. Um there might be reasons to do it, but those reasons might not be constant. Um, I don't know. I guess, yeah, I'm not sure whether I think it would be like no sleep or like less sleep at the top. I feel like those two things both feel more rational to me than no change in sleep happens. Sure, sure. And that, that could be somewhat of a personal choice. I guess this also implies, too, that if you can choose not to sleep, you can choose to sleep at will, so you wouldn't have ever have problems with insomnia if you didn't want to. Um, <clears throat> and that if you specifically wanted to just, because sleep is just sort of a type of unconsciousness, um, 
and maybe you could even do a dreamless unconsciousness as a choice. I don't know, but that also right. kind of means that you could sort of cryonically freeze yourself, right? And right. like, if you want to just be like, I'm going to pause myself for four years and see what happens. Right, right. right. So sleep in the computer sense, basically, like suspending <clears throat> your process. Right. And then just reopening it. And I think that's maybe an interesting thing to think about because as we were discussing a moment ago, the restorative properties of sleep, which exist in our physical world, uh, perhaps are not relevant here, right? Like, it may be that people sleep because it feels good to sleep. It may be that people sleep because they enjoy dreaming. And I would think that you'd have more fine-grained control over your dreams, too, in this world. So you might be able to program yourself to lucid dream or something like that in a way that's harder to do in the real world. Um I could see you sleeping because other people are sleeping. I could see you sleeping because, you know, um, the social norm is to sleep. Uh, but yeah, it doesn't seem like the sleeping is actually doing anything physical for you by default. I don't know. Maybe that's something that you could change. You could, maybe we, we would have a hidden setting that you could, turn on gradual body decay and turn on sleep restoration or something to more hmm. accurately, you know, mimic earth physics. But since we're getting rid of death, it just seems like decay and death are really the same thing. Death's just the end of a decay well, we're process. We're not actually getting rid of death. We're just saying you can turn it off, right? We're defaulting to no death. And... So, I mean, how that works in reality is like, let's say I shoot you in a world with no death. Do you still have a hole in your body? Do you still bleed? Or is like, is that damage like kind of swept under the rug by the simulation? And maybe it just, you know, gives you however much pain as you're allowed to feel, but no actual damage is done to your, you know, virtual body. Um, it seems like to me, like if you are in a, let again, we, we've got to just specify, let's talk about just the complete default world. Okay. You've made no change, right? Yeah. Um, that Low if pain, you, no death is that world, by the way. Right. But earth physics. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So if that is weird, right? Because like, so if someone shoots you, you would assume real-world physics, there's going to be a hole in you, you're going to bleed. Mm -hmm. It's not going to feel that bad. It's going to feel like, you know, a lightly annoying pain. Right. Um, and you're not going to die. Now, we, I guess we've also talked about, you know, if you die, you get ejected back to your home world. So this might be actually another difference, potentially, between the home world and a non-home world. I'm not sure if if that's relevant or not, right? Because does no death mean that you still die when you would die, but at the moment of death you eject instead? Or does it mean that you just stay conscious no matter what, even if your avatar is destroyed? Um, your mind is still a mind, and you can choose to eject because... You know, your avatar has been destroyed. And so that's a logical oh, thing to yeah, do. Oh, yeah, that's really interesting. And then what are you like per perceptually experiencing during that? Like, 
during that moment where your body has been, your avatar body has been disabled. Um, so you're not getting any perceptual input from your like virtual eyes or your virtual ears or whatever, but you have not ejected that world yet. That's interesting. I don't know. I mean, I'm inclined to say we shouldn't have that because I can't imagine a way to show that, that I'm not worried about, but maybe we should have it. I don't know. Um, well, again, what, what sort of made this simpler was that I imagined that at that moment, like a standard contract would sort of auto eject you at right. that moment. Um, so we wouldn't really have to deal with it. But right. the problem then becomes what happens on your home world if you shoot yourself in the head? Uh, do you, because you can't eject to anywhere because mm-hmm. you're already at that location. So, but let's not assume that you have death to on because if you have death on, then you just die. You actually, right, right. You actually die. But so let's if you assume have you've death got death off, but physics on, and yeah. pain low, and you go to your own home world and shoot yourself in the head. It seems like you would bleed and feel low pain, and then slowly over time, your body would heal, and you would just be bloody with a hole in your head for like a long time. <laughs> Ah, uh, okay. So, so this might be a new default that would. This be is. Reasonable. I'm just imagining, but that's because like bodies do heal, right? And like our physics prevents our body from healing fast enough for us to recover from many. We we need a default, a regeneration default. Well, right. I mean, that, we that's what we need. But if you're prevented from dying and your da- body is damaged your body will attempt to regenerate. It may fail, I guess, depending on the but there, But there are things that I think, I mean, a stronger regeneration setting would be able to, you know, repair Like literally replace an, a limb or something. Right, stuff, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and your, even your body under normal circumstances can't, can't do stuff like that. Right. But physics can allow that because like lizards can grow new arms and stuff. So it's not like, it doesn't require us to like change physics to allow that. It just, it's just not something that our bodies do. So if you were to allow regeneration, then that is another intervention that the creators are putting in to sort of combat the cruelty of the natural world. Yes. And I I mean, it seems now that we're discussing it. And we are allowing them to do that in limited ways. So I think it's okay, but we just, you know, that's just one more step they're taking toward understanding humanity is that like, well, their bodies will get injured and we should default to like a speed, a particular speed of regeneration that is, let's say faster and more comprehensive than earth, but you could change that. Well, and that just, I mean, that makes a lot of sense to me. Sure. Um, sure. Uh, I mean, it almost has to, because I mean, that sort of addresses some of the sleep issues too, right? Like what happens if you don't sleep to your brain and your body? Well, it's just sort of re- constantly regenerating those things. So that explains why you wouldn't really have bad consequences, even if you refuse to sleep while having the urge to. Right. So I, um, and it, yeah, it just does seem like a basically decent simulator, uh, which is what we seem to have, right? Uh, would want to implement something like that. Mm-hmm. So now we don't know how fast it is. It might be interesting if it's not instantaneous right so yeah if you blow your brains out you know maybe it does take 24 hours for your body to reassemble itself 
um, uh, or, or maybe it takes one hour. I don't know, but uh, it could take some amount of time. Just that might be an interesting. I mean, it shouldn't be right because I, I think you still, for it to feel like real world physics, you want to see the impact of things that happen, right? Right. Um, you don't want it to be like I shoot you in the arm and then it's like the wound just seals up instantly, like nothing ever happened, right? Well, that there's could like a be speed a, at which yeah, it's that so could be fast that it doesn't even feel relevant. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I think that could be a default somewhere. Like if you wanted to have a war game world or something, you might right. But I'm talking about the the default. Setting yeah, yeah, yeah. Still. Yeah, no, I think the 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 standard default should be that wounds are visible, have modest amount of pain. And then go away at a reasonable rate, <laughs> you know, at a rate that makes sure that people notice them. It's, I think that's more of like, it's a, it's a feedback mechanism. You know, if you uh, fall into a thorny bush, you should get pricked so that you don't fall into a thorny bush again. You know, uh, in the same way that like feeling some pain is, is probably better than feeling no pain. Now, if I shoot myself in the head, right? Yeah. While my uh, brains are splattered everywhere. Yeah. Uh, am I, and I'm waiting for my brain to reassemble itself. Yeah. Let's just say, let's say that takes an hour. Am I conscious or am I not conscious until literally those parts are stitched back together? Well, I mean, <laughs> that gets into some deep philosophy and neuroscience that I don't know. But I think depending on the volume of intact brain... Um, you might be conscious and it might be kind of like a drug experience or something, you know, you might experiencing it, you might experience it super strangely, uh, because your, you know, brain is splattered and probably only the parts that are still sort of intact in your skull are reporting to whatever the, uh, whatever the, uh, thing is that is you. And, um, then as it regrows, it probably gets more coherent until it sort of snaps back into being conscious, kind of like waking up. Well, but we, I mean, that's one interpretation, right? But we could also have a more, because this is a simulated world, I mean, dualism can be true here, right? right? So yeah, there it's could true. Be you could be just mind... like sort of outside of yourself sort of watching this happen. Yeah, like a mind-avatar split mm -hmm. occurs. Um, and so... Yeah, that head and those brains that are destroyed, those were just, you know, for show, right? That was always just your avatar. Um, right, so right, you, right. Because we're we're modeling physics, but we're not using the physics to actually run the consciousness. Right, and maybe you don't have uh, sensory right. input, so it's just this sort of you exist in this black void, but you are conscious, and maybe you can still interact with the exec. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and so at the ex so you could speak to the exec in that moment and say if you're, you know, let's say you're not on your home world, you could say I'm going to eject now cuz this is this sucks, right? Right. Um or if you are on your home world, you can say like, um I'd like to change the home world regeneration settings to faster <laughs> because this is not cool. Right, right. So you you would still have that kind of control. Yeah, that makes um, sense, but you wouldn't be able to control your avatar cuz that would have been severed for the moment, right? Like you're, right. you're, you wouldn't be able to move your hand, I even though your head is the thing that's blown up because you're in this like consciousness box, like kind of interacting mentally with the exec. 
Yeah, that feels right to me. Okay. Um, and that that could be. I mean, I could imagine that being interesting to dramatize, mm-hmm. right? Um, and of course, if that happens to you in a world where you don't have permission to do something about it, then then maybe you just have to sit there while you wait to regenerate. Um, and if you're not even set to regenerate, then I guess you could get stuck there, which would be really bad. I mean, that's sort of the dark side of this. You could get stuck there. Well, never without your own. As long as you're conscious, you're not completely stuck because you could direct yourself to another world or something, right? Well, unless, I mean, again, we ha- there's always these like extreme scenarios where people would have to sign very onerous contracts that right. uh, they would. So you could be trapped a in a world if you had co- entered a world that doesn't let you leave and uh, forces you to regenerate slowly. And then you had gotten really maimed. You could be stuck waiting for your body to regenerate over centuries and then get, you know, then you'll have to drag yourself to the portal to leave or something like that. Right. Or that just doesn't have regeneration, has regeneration off, Mm. uh, but death, uh, also off, but death also off. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So then you're just, you're just stuck in the black box forever Mm -hmm. or at least until someone lets you out. Right. I mean, that's, that's kind of awful. Right. right? Well, and you could, an, an altruist might go around trying to collect those people, which is kind of interesting idea. Like, you know, you could go around to different worlds like that, trying to find maimed bodies or something. Yeah. Well, I mean, as with all these sort of awful scenarios that we're talking about, you got to imagine there'd be some sort of history where, you know, there would, there would be these famous cases where this you know all of these things would have happened at least once to somebody and maybe somebody would have heard about it or people would whisper about it right right um and you gotta imagine over the time as culture evolves inside the constellation you know certain norms would develop to be like well you don't want to end up like uh like jerry did right uh remember like you know 20 years ago hearing that story about that guy who signed that terrible contract the legend of jerry Right. <laughs> so, I mean, um, you know, I, you would imagine there'd be more of this stuff happening in the beginning when it's more Wild West and people don't know what's exactly what's going on mm-hmm. um, and they're being preyed upon. Um, but maybe over time, there's, you know, some common sense that mostly keeps people out of uh writing and entering these kinds of contracts that would allow this terrible sort of hell to arise um yeah yeah you could have I mean, people it, specifically yeah. warn people don't enter worlds that have this combination of things because that's how you get stuck now again we could imagine more benevolent simulators that just step in to prevent stuff like that but again that's sort of not what we're that runs against everything we've been sort of going for. I think, I'm, right? Yeah, I'm I'm getting more and more committed to this idea that we should really try to maintain this as a world that could be simulated by like really disinterested beings, you know, that like don't understand too much about humanity at all. Um, right. I think that 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 provides us with a, a with a limit that I'm finding interesting. <laughs> you know, like 
just because we don't plan to really go outside the box. So since we're not going to explain what it is, I think it's cool if it's the most ambiguous sort of set of rules that could sort of apply the most broadly. Right. And so you could imagine that if we encountered, uh, you know, in the space opera sense on some other worlds, uh, a bunch of beings that we didn't fully understand that were less advanced than us, like weird gaseous beings. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and we decided to, you know, scan them and, and simulate them for preservation purposes or whatever purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, we might have a few common sense things, right? Like we wouldn't understand their culture at all or, you know, how to help them navigate that, their culture much better. Right. But we might say like, well, they probably don't want to die at unplanned times and they probably don't want to reproduce at unplanned times and they, you know, they probably don't like pain, you know what I mean? So like really basic stuff, right? I think. Yeah, the reproducing one is a little hard for me, it is a little hard. But that I, one, yeah. I can justify it on the level of like, we the simulators maybe are not super interested in them reproducing because uh, we have turned death off for them. So I can sort of understand that you don't have to understand a lot about a creature to be like, maybe I'll just default it to no death and no children, so that we just it's keep like a the steady population state model. steady. Exactly, and then. Yeah because I don't understand its psychology, I'm also giving it the opportunity to change things. And one of the things that many of them change is they, you know, turn the kid button back on. Um, perhaps. Uh, but that's, that's the one that's like a little harder, but yeah, I agree. I think the, the simpler we can make them and the more sort of unknowing we can make them, the more interesting they are. Um, and the more, interesting they are from a dramatic point of view for the people who are parsing them and trying to figure out the rules and trying to create religions based on the rules, etc. Right. Because the more human it is, the more you can kind of like call it a God and worship it. And that gets boring and, right. you know, gets into stuff we've seen before pretty quickly. Um, right. And, yeah. and, and conversely, you can imagine these alien simulators would not probably be inclined to write a very detailed script that goes around identifying uh, beings that are trapped in undesirable states and guiding them through the process of liberating themselves or something. No, no, right? I think they wouldn't probably understand well enough to even do that. So they sort of provide some of the tools, but ultimately you're on your own. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, that feels right. Well, okay. So, I mean, all of this stuff we're talking about then ties into the other questions yeah. that we wanted to talk about today, um, which is, and let's, so let's see if we can apply the same sort of heuristic. Um, what do the home worlds look like? You show up on day one of the simulation. Right. Um, you're. We know that you're alone in a home world. We know that you're being given some some basic information, which we'll get into that next, maybe. But first of all, what does the space you're in look like by default? Well, obviously, it should be a fancy hotel. Right. It should look exactly like uh, the hotel in, in Upload, right? <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, I mean that, that strikes me as like the worst possible idea. I, I, I think um, I have two ideas about this, and they are diametrically opposed. So I think we... There could be other good ideas, but these two are really in opposition to each other. Um, One is you wake up in whatever, like, the last 
place you went to sleep in. So like you wake up and you're in your house um, Mm -hmm. or somewhere similarly familiar to you. And then uh, maybe you look out the window and you realize that the world is a bit different or maybe not. Maybe it's like just as far as the eye can see, it's the place that you last were. Um, That's one option that I think would be minimally upsetting to people. And I could see it being chosen because it is easy. Uh, Because when you're scanning them, you can pretty easily figure out where you're scanning them. And then you could just recreate that or a a part of that on the initial world. Um, and it may be the kind of thing like as they walk, it, it sort of designs more world and, and stuff like that. Um, that's weird. There's two of me on the Google doc. Uh, a second idea I have is everybody wakes up in the same default world. So this is kind of quite different. Like, um, uh, more like the way you, um, start a video game or, uh, something like that, whereas it brings you to like what's essentially a loading screen, but it is a world. Um, it's generic. It's probably calming has like some running water or some other like natural, natural things that would be calming. And it looks sort of generically like earth, but not like a particular place. Um, and everyone gets the same one. It's sort of like, this is just the default world. This is just like a nice earth for humans but everything here is changeable. So, you know, pretty quickly after that, uh, people start customizing the home worlds to their desires. So, yeah, I don't know. Those are my two off the top of my head ideas of things that might happen that make sense. Yeah, I think I had similar thoughts. Um, they, I mean, so maybe let's, let's sort of build on those because I, I don't really have a third one to present. I mean, I guess the third one is just like, it's just a void, right? But I don't... Well, um, like some things that I threw out was like, it could, re- it could re- reconstruct from your memories or something like that, like some kind of world. Yeah, I don't like that. Um, I don't love that because that says that like, they've got technology that's reading your memories and that understands them. And I just feel like that's... It's too fine-drained. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't love that. Um, I don't know. I haven't thought... Those are the two that like made sense to me. Like it would be pretty easy for them to figure out where they got you from uh, and just recreate that to some extent. Uh, and it would be pretty easy for them to just build something generically nice for humans and put but everybody you, in a copy of that. But did you consider the just sort of like black or white just empty space like void option well you could do empty space void option but i think that's going to be very upsetting (laughs) i mean i you definitely could do that but i think i would vote for there being some kind of a physicality to wherever you first regain consciousness um because otherwise i think you have the situation like we talked about last time um that they have in both upload and in the marusek story um wedding album where like you pretty much have to talk the sim through their first few minutes because it would be upsetting to anyone, right? Like, you know, uh, in in the Mercek version, they're like, "You're the Sims," and then the the people go, "Oh, <laughs> right," because they knew a picture was about to be taken, but they didn't realize the moment that they became the simulated version. Uh, or in the in upload, she's like, "Open your eyes slowly," and I'm your customer service representative. You know, and there's like yeah. that that intro. So, I, I think if you do the black void, then we're necessitating some kind of a very aggressive intro, um, which isn't yeah, I, which isn't something I don't think we can do. But again, that feels like it's militating a little bit more toward they understand the humans, they maybe themselves are human. 
um, versus if it's like you wake up and you're in the exact place you were before. Uh, and then you right. start walking and you slowly realize no one else is there. And maybe you say, where is everyone? And then the voice speaks to you or something like that. But that feels a little bit more organic and less likely to sure. cause panic. I don't know. When I, would, I, I would also add to that that I've seen the void before. Uh, I, I think the Matrix has a void. <laughs> or uh, for you've example. not seen the void, right? Because it's not there. Anyway, uh, yeah, yeah. Of course, it has been depicted before. I, I, I've seen that depicted before. And I also feel like I've seen, although I can't pinpoint it, the uh, we're going to reconstruct a safe place from your memories thing. That yes, also feels no, that is a tropey thing cliche. from sci-fi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's definitely a tropey yeah. thing. From, so both from, of those, yeah. to me, I mm-hmm. think I'm also inclined against because they feel uh, cliche. Mm-hmm. So I do like, and I considered the options you mentioned, so let's build on those two. Um, uh, now, the the first one, which is that um, it's seamless to when you were scanned, right? We had a previous episode where we sort of tried to talk about how does this actual scanning occur, and we, you know... Uh, we talked about some sort of far-fetched things where they like, um, you know, scanned across the globe. Yeah. Over time. Yeah. The more I thought about that after the fact, the more I was like, I feel like the scan and upload of these people needs to be simultaneous. Um, or just silent. Like, right. I mean, the people don't need to know they've been scanned because it doesn't need to be destructive. That's true. It could be that everyone is scanned. Well, I mean, it almost doesn't, we almost don't know, nor does it matter, exactly. right? What happened to base reality, right? Because exactly. it could have been, they scanned we Earth and then detonated it, anyway. it two seconds later, right? Right. That could be like, like it could have been destructive or it could have been, okay, we've got it scanned now. We don't need it anymore. So clear it out of here. Or that's maybe uh, why but, they scanned it in the first place. Maybe it was, you know... Sc- yeah, it's like the, uh, a, it's like hitchhikers. Exactly, they need to clear a, the way for an intergalactic bulldozer coming. Right, right. Spaceway. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, that, certainly that we don't know, right? I mean, I think that's right. outside of our story, right? But you know, as far as what people remember, um, if it happens simultaneously, and so that means that not all the world can be asleep. Again, maybe they timed it so that. The majority of people are asleep, and so it's when it's nighttime in Asia, say. Right. Um, well, that means people in you know the United States say are fully awake and uh, in the daytime going about their business, and then one second they're doing that, and then the next second. So, like, let's say I'm in the supermarket, right? One right. second I'm in the supermarket and it's full of people. Right. Next second I'm still seamlessly in the supermarket, but. All of the other people are gone, and uh, there's now an exec talking to me or something. That's very strange, but I mean, that's one way right. it could go. So, right. If it if it sort of, like, happens instantaneously like that, um, then, again, I think that would be pretty upsetting for people. Like, if you blinked your eyes and everyone in the grocery store disappeared, but nothing else changed, and then the... You know, either a voice started speaking to you or the, or you asked a question and the voice answered you or something like that. That would be very upsetting, very strange. It would definitely require some hand-holding. Um, whereas if you're in the grocery store and then you wake up and it feels like the grocery store was a dream, but you're actually in your own house um, uh, or a generic house, either one, 
uh, that might feel less upsetting to me. So you go to sleep uh, again. Is that the sort of like gassing scenario? Like it's like gassing scenario, but like you don't even, you know, you don't recall being gassed. You're just like, you're in the grocery store, you're walking down the aisle and then you wake up as if, as if, as if from a dream. And that's just the last thing that you remember because that was where the thoughts in your head when the scan occurred. But then they just called you up in this like calming bed, maybe flooding your brain with some pleasure chemicals to make it a little easier to handle. And then, you know, you you sort of brush the confusion from your head and you go, where, where am I and what happened? I, I, I was at the grocery store. Now I'm here. Um, you start yeah, one, you kind of need it to be, okay, so now if you wake up in your own bed from the grocery store, then that starts to feel a little fine grain too, because that means it sort of knows what everybody's home address is. And of course, some people don't have beds they go home to, and it's just, it, it's, it gets very complicated, right? Um, right. Well, even if it's as simple as like the last place you woke up, it's still, that's still a bit complicated because it's still requiring it to sort of track you or trace you for some amount of time or something. Well, and if that were possible, then that would imply, and I don't think we should necessarily go that way. Then that would imply that if, you know, if you could rewind, if you, after you scanned people, you could rewind them back to the last point they went to sleep, you know, regardless of when that was. Uh, yeah, like how before. are you getting that information? Are you getting it from scanning the real world and just tracing them backward, which I would buy, or are you getting it from like going inside their memories or something, which I would not buy? <laughs> that um, well, and going backwards is like you know that's the uh, that's <laughs> that's like devs, right? I mean that's well, but you don't need to go backwards if you're just like um, like if whatever the scanning thing is is the end of a process that also you know tracks every human on earth for a few days beforehand or something right it's a continuous scan of moment by moment for 24 hours and then they just boot up everybody at the point in the scan that was like right after they last woke up yeah or or, something yeah exactly so i guess you could do that so if it's really really good scanning technology that like i mean it has to be obviously really good scanning technology but if it's right if it's taking can it's not just a momentary scan at that moment, what every brain state is. It's continuously tracking every brain for 48 hours. And then it's got all of that time it can load up from. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think it's possible that it could work by just tracking bodies for a number of those hours, but sure. Yeah. Something like that. Some system that, um, has enough information about the earth and the people in it to be able to, you know, create these uh to be able to create you in a in a in a situation that is familiar to you well fundamentally it's scan what it's scanning right or has to be scanning is is not is is brain states right i mean that's the most important thing it's got to be scanning yeah right so it could be ignoring a lot of the other information in the world um sure yeah i mean i don't know I mean, what a comprehensively it would need but yeah, like if it needed to have photographs of, you know, the last place that you slept, um, it could do that by photographing the whole world, basically, you know, uh, and then just rec- recreating, you know, a model of the earth in inside itself and then slicing that up into little bits. Right. Okay. 
So uh, if you wait, I don't know. It's, it's kind of confusing to me now. But it, okay, so if you wake up in the last place that you slept, mm-hmm. um, you know, it could be uh, a, a tent on the street. It could be sure. a hospital bed. It could be someone's couch. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be wherever. Mm-hmm. But it's but it's and it's not populated by other people per se right right but the see the thing is sooner or later you got to let people know that things are different right well some people will know right away you'll wake up and your wife will be missing from the bed or something like that but which uh, is traumatic in a in a different way right because then you're like oh oh shit right like, well you'll be confused i mean maybe you'll just think she got up and then you'll get up and then you walk through the house and oh she's not there i wonder if she went out and then you go outside and you realize there are no other people outside. And then, you know, so, yeah, I think, you know, how how do we want to bring people into this is another kind of question. And we had started to discuss this last time about, like, should there be some kind of explicit opener, like you are now in a new world or something, or should we wait for people to, you know, figure it out on their own? Um I don't know. The more we're thinking about this, uh, I have to say I'm starting to lean toward the idea of a generic good world that you are bought, put into rather than the last place you slept. Um, sure. And that, I guess, would be sort of like if we were... Well, it's, it'd be like the way we construct habitats and zoos, right? It'd be yeah. uh, somebody's think, best approximation of what a human habitat should be. Right. right. Well, and I think it would be like modeled on the habitats of more rich people too, like at the time of the scanning. So like you'd wake up in like a, you know, modern uh, sort of Scandinavian style room or something with big windows, you know, something like that. And like you look out and you'd see a lot of plants uh, outside and water because, you know, you don't need to know a lot about human biology to know that we are calmed by plants and water, right? You know, like that's like a, it's pretty low level. I think you could derive that just from the fact that we're mammals, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, have a, or from our evolutionary history, you know? Um, right. So I think it could be like a little bit like you wake up basically on the set of Ex Machina, you know, like, <laughs> and you're just in a kind of a house that looks like that with like plants that look like that outside. And, you know, if you were a homeless person and you were sleeping on the street the night before and you wake up like that, well, that's going to be a big shock to you. You're going to be like, where am I? Um, what happened? Um, but for some people that would be, I think for a lot of people that would be like confusing, but not super distressing in the way that, like a black void or even like a, your own world p- minus all people might be. I mean, I think it's going to be distressing no matter what in the sense of like, you're going to be like, where the hell am I? Yeah, I mean, but you're this- like, you're it's where the hell am I? But it seems pretty nice too, right? I mean, I don't There's know. I guess another thing threat. to think about yeah. is, um, is the good place, which is not a, obviously a simulation, but it's a, you know, a, a story about people who find themselves somewhere they, you know, and with discon- discontinuity from their previous life, and they—it's a waiting room, right? I mean, that's the metaphor that they use there, right? Like uh, Eleanor comes to in a waiting room, and there's this waiting room music playing, and the first thing that she's told is, 
you know, don't worry, you're in the good place, right? And I don't right, know. and that yeah. There's I mean, that's another way to think about it is it could be some kind of like intentionally calming space like a waiting room, a lobby, um whatever. And in that version you definitely would want to have some kind of aggressive interaction with the exec, you know, some kind of a voice or text or something that welcomes to you to the new reality and tells you in a perhaps sort of simple and uh, easily translatable among many languages way, uh, what's going on. <laughs> right, right. So, I mean, I think it's, yeah, it's got to be a small, I think it should be like a, like a room that is like relatively contained so you can't like run out screaming, right? Mm-hmm. That yeah, mm-hmm. feels like you are, you were maybe, you were put in there, right? Like, so that's somewhat distressing, but also like, there's a purpose here. Why, why am I here? Um, the waiting room does kind of communicate like, oh, you're meant to wait. So there's something to that. But mm-hmm. um, well, I know what else it kind of feels like to me is like the um, setup computer s- program. Like when you first get a new computer or a new phone and it makes you go through a wizard and fill in a bunch of basic information and it sets up your accounts and stuff. Like in a way, it's like you can dump everybody into a home world, but you might actually want to walk them through the process of making a home world instead. And maybe that's done in a really simple, like purely graphical way or something where there's not even any text or, you know, maybe you just choose from a few options or something. And then you're ejected into your home world for the first time. Huh? Uh, yeah, I mean, that would be interesting if the, I keep imagining, you know, that there's like almost a, a binder or a book of some kind, um, sort of like prominently on a table or something that's sort of inviting you to open it just cause like, I don't know, I almost like the better than a video screen or something Sure, sure. or like an ethereal voice. It's, it's just, it's just a form factor. Right. Uh-huh. But, um, it feels less threatening too because it doesn't play automatically. Like you have to choose to go to it and open it up. Uh huh. Um, although I guess some people can't read, so that <laughs> who knows what we do. But there's so many questions, right? But uh, put that on hold for a second. But, right, um, right. Well, like yeah, we've kind of solved the issue for kids built in the simulation, but like people who were children at the time of scanning, ugh. That's a can. Yeah, of worms. someone, someone, someone raised that on Twitter, and and I mean, oh, really? many people. Uh, yeah, I mean, a couple. We've gotten a few questions from listeners on Twitter, and a few of them have been sort of pointing at this issue of, you know, what if you're a kid? What if you're handicapped in some way, or or like uh, otherly abled in some way? Right? Like, what you know, if you're not. You know, like they're sort of getting at the same issue, right? Which is, you know, if if some people are going to be able to navigate this better than others. Right. Um, right. But as long as the people who can't navigate it are not tortured, I think I'm like, okay with that. Like, I think this is a pretty amoral universe in the sense that like we are allowing people to make mistakes and suffer from them. And I think we are probably also allowing some people to just do more poorly than others in this world. Um, Right, but the question of sort of like if you're an infant 
versus right. a uh, 90 year old with dementia versus somebody who just doesn't have all their mental faculties specifically doesn't have the ability to speak clearly or speak you know and like yeah i think one thing that could happen is the simulation could fix that for you right like yeah i mean definitely in the case of say something like dementia it feels like that would fall uh, you know alongside with our re- regeneration principle and everything that we've in no death that it would fix like basic things like that but then you run into the whole old transhumanist question too of like what is fixing a deficit mean versus actually enhancing people and well and i think we should get into that because people should try to enhance themselves in this world and maybe should succeed at some point but they may need to figure out a workaround or something like maybe um the regeneration defaults only regenerate people up to you know normal human health levels but maybe you can fuck with those and have the regeneration process you know make you endlessly stronger or endlessly taller or whatever um right but endlessly smarter is where you run into the uh the trickier questions right right? well uh, you can maybe get smarter but you may not be able to get endlessly smarter because there might be some kind of limits put on how much computing power you have access to or whatever um but yeah that that makes sense. Um, this to me, this to me feels like a good place to wrap up the episode because yeah. that's that's a whole separate question. That is a I can think, of worms. Yeah, <laughs> we should get I, into I, that next time. Let's get into that next time. And I I don't think we completely solve this you know homeworld default problem, but it feels like we are both limiting or, or not limiting. We are both leaning towards uh, maybe the version where it's a one size fits all calming setup. Right. Everybody got the same thing. Yeah. Uh, but it's designed sort of generically. Sort of generically um, to be pleasing and somewhat safe. And then that gives hopefully everyone the time and space they need to explore it, regenerate, do whatever they need to do to like get a handle on the system. Um, but we should explore more what that looks like. Cause I, 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 I'm starting to have questions for myself here on this, but I, I do think that that is a good basic direction to to explore absolutely okay well uh then i guess we'll call it for the day yeah stay safe out there thanks for listening and we will see you guys soon um and if you uh do have thoughts for us please do tweet at us or email us we love to hear from you this has been constellation making the graphic novel our theme song is pomona by audios to subscribe to this podcast look us up on itunes or your favorite podcatcher application You can find us on Twitter or on the web at constellationpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.